You're listening to Understanding the Law Radio, your business success and legal information station. Hi, and thanks for joining me for another episode of Understanding the Law Radio. I'm your host, Peter Lamont. Today, I'm going to be talking about petitions. What good are petitions? What's their purpose? What do they serve? And as part of my discussion about petitions, I want to talk about good omens. Now, I'm not sure if any of you have seen the show. If you have, uh, make sure you leave a comment on our social media so that we can talk about this topic. Now, this is really interesting. So the show Good Omens, which is an Amazon Prime show, it's based off of a 1990s fantasy novel, and it stars David Tennant, who, for new Doctor Who fans, should know that he once played Doctor Who and probably one of the best Doctor Whos out there, in my opinion. I liked him a lot. Well, there's a Christian group that's been calling for the cancellation of Good Omens, uh, primarily because they say that the show is um, essentially promoting evil and making a mockery out of Christianity and religion. It's um, a show, basically, that talks about the apocalypse, and they claim, this Christian group, that it presents devils and Satanists as normal and even good, and it mocks God's wisdom. And it's another step to make Satanism appear normal, light, and acceptable. And as a result of these beliefs, they have requested that Amazon remove the show, and they've been you know, trying to accomplish this goal by filing a petition. So uh, last time I checked, it was roughly 20,000, or it was over, slightly over 20,000 people put their name on this petition condemning the BBC uh, and Amazon co-production. And that's great. The only problem is they sent it to Netflix, and that's probably where, if you're not familiar with um, Good Omens, where you've seen the, the name pop up, because in recent days there's been a lot of press concerning this Christian group's error in petitioning Netflix to remove Good Omens when in fact it was an Amazon or is an Amazon show. And I read that and that started me thinking about this petition idea and not too long ago, maybe a couple weeks ago, I, if you recall, I did an episode, a podcast, on the petition signed by people who were fans of Game of Thrones to try to redo the last season because they were unhappy with the way that the characters ended up turning out. And in thinking about that, I started thinking about Avengers Endgame and people signing petitions there to try to rewrite the ending of Endgame and that lead me led me to 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 analyze this idea of petitions. And I started thinking to myself, is a petition worth it? Right? And and as a lawyer from a legal standpoint, I know that a petition has no legal bearing. So what's the benefit to it? Why are we doing this? Why are people wasting their time, if that's in fact what it is, to sign a petition? And I, I looked at this more closely and was trying to figure out the, the history of petitions. Who, who came up with this idea of a petition? A whole group of people signing a request 
to do something. You know, and that's really what a petition is. It's a request to do something that is in modern daytime, typically addressed to a governmental entity. Um, obviously, now you'll see that that everyone's petitioning someone for something. But this is kind of fascinating. The first documented petitions were made by slaves building pyramids in ancient Egypt, and they were petitioning for better working conditions. Now, can you believe that? A labor dispute back in ancient Egypt is, is the beginning, or at least the first documented beginnings of petitions. And then, you know, as you follow the history a little bit, uh, in Imperial China, petitions were also sent to an office of transportation where court secretaries read petitions aloud to the emperor. And they could be sent by anybody from a scholar official to a common farmer. Um, And the emperor read the petitions. Now, in today's modern world, the ease and and, um, common ability for us all to file petitions because of the internet. I mean, it's completely different, but one of the, the most um, or more modern petitions that I think many of us, especially if you grew up in the 70s, 80s, 90s, um, you know, you're, you're in that right age bracket where you would remember the uh, petitions sought to free, which sought to free uh, Nelson Mandela. So remember, he was imprisoned by the former apartheid government of South Africa, and so many, tens of thousands of people, signed this petition to free Nelson Mandela. So you might remember that. Um, And I want to talk about that in a minute, but I want to move on to the next topic, which is do petitions work? Now, according to change.org, 295 million 723 and change people are taking action in the form of petitions. And, you know, that number is just going to continue to grow because, as I mentioned earlier, of the ability for us to go online and find a petition. You could probably find a petition for just about anything, you know, if you think about it. So this number that's that's growing so rapidly, you know, as people are petitioning for all kinds of things, the question is, do they work? And and here's the answer, okay? They work depending upon what you're trying to accomplish. Now, earlier I, I said that petitions have no legal bearing. Right, a petition is a request, but what does it have to back it? Nothing but the people. Nothing but popular public opinion. There's no legal precedent. There's nothing that makes a petition legally enforceable. Okay? So it really is a group of people trying to make a change. And so when I said to you earlier, do they work? Well, it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. If your goal is to bring awareness to an issue or a topic, well, then if that, remember, if that's your goal, then perhaps it would work for you. But if your goal is to, you know, make somebody change doing something, 
or, or change something that they're doing, are you going to have that that impact? It's not backed by any legal precedent or any legal uh, ability. And, and so you're just asking someone, hey, look, a whole bunch of us want you to stop doing this. So, you know, would you please do it? Now, go back to Nelson Mandela for a second. So those petitions, just like all the petitions that we're talking about, they had no legal effect, but they were signed by millions of people. And it essentially represented a moral force and theoretically could have helped free Mandela and end apartheid. Now, I I don't know if anyone can tell you for sure whether or not these petitions helped free Mandela. I mean, I, I would like to think that they did, but, you know, can you prove it? Beyond a shadow of a doubt, of course not. Of course not. And and so, you know, you can see how the, the vast majority of these petitions probably just fall on deaf ears, at least in my opinion. And only a handful of them actually do something. You know, I think that a million people could petition... Game of Thrones creators to remake or HBO to remake that final season. I I don't think that's happening. And I also don't think you're going to be changing the end of Endgame. So millions of people could sign that petition. And is it really going to have an impact on HBO or anyone else for that matter where they're going to just remake it because... X amount of people want them to. I guess in theory, if there were enough people where it was actually impacting their revenue stream, uh, maybe, maybe. I mean, and look, in in the last month, I think that there was an announcement over this Sonic the Hedgehog, the video game character movie, and people complained about the look of Sonic, and then they brought it back in and they redid it, and essentially replace the character with something that people were more um, you know, comfortable with, something that looked more like the video game character. Now, there wasn't a petition that I'm aware of uh, for the change of Sonic, so I'm not sure if that you know, was the result of a petition or the result of a screening. You know, like uh, oftentimes before a movie is released, the director or the production company or whoever it might be they have various screenings where they invite people they don't sometimes they don't even tell them what the movie is and then they get feedback and it's it's all you know before the the final production maybe there's no music in it or maybe uh, some of the scenes are still green screen or whatever it is but is that why they changed sonic i don't know that it's it's uh anything more than a focus group saying we don't like this and the vast majority of people say we don't like it so they try to make a change. Um, you know, is is a petition effective? I think there's two ways to look at it. If you get enough people, could you make a change because the overwhelming majority of people want something different? I guess so, but I think it has to be something that might have changed 
just on its own. You know, for example, there's a lot of uh, petitions out there about Target and plastic bags. Plastic bags and the negative impact that they may have on the environment is something that has been tossed around and is actually a law in various states. Is it necessarily the result of a petition? And if Target, let's say, decides, hey, we're not going to use plastic bags anymore, can anyone turn around and say, well, that's because we filed a petition? I don't know. I don't think so. I think that the end of plastic bags is probably somewhere in the near future, just based upon its, um, you know, impact, its negative impact on the environment. I think it's kind of like just uh, par for the course. You know, it's going to happen anyway, the same way that eight tracks were going to give way to cassettes and so on and so forth. I mean, could you petition for the removal of eight tracks? And then when cassettes were born, say, hey, look, we won. Yeah, I guess you could, but I don't think it's true. You know, talking about the idea of all of the various petitions out there, there's one that's listed on change.org. And the petition, which was signed by 8,638 people to create Ruth Bader Ginger ice cream. I mean, are you kidding me? Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, they want to make Ruth Bader Ginger ice cream. And this was started by somebody who, if you look at the page on change.org, Bader Ginsburg is my personal hero. As the first Jewish woman to serve in the Supreme Court, she inspires me to think big about what I can accomplish in my own life. Not only is she an accomplished legal scholar, she has also become a cultural icon for young women like me. That's great, and I agree with all of that. But why the hell are we going to make Ben and Jerry's ice cream out of her? I don't understand that. And, and their argument here is Ben and Jerry's is named flavors after John Lennon, Willie Nelson, and Elton John. Uh, Stephen Colbert got his flavor after publicly waging a campaign in the Colbert show. And uh, it is, uh, it's, it was done. And of course, they're, they're also referencing their uh, most popular flavor, the Cherry Garcia, which was suggested by a customer who wanted them to honor Jerry Garcia from the Grateful Dead. So, Here's a petition. 8,000 people, 8,638 to be exact, have signed this petition to have Ruth Bader Ginsburg ice cream. I would not waste my time signing a petition about naming a flavor of ice cream. I don't care who it's being named after. I wouldn't even sign a petition if somebody said name it after me. It just seems like a waste of time, but that's what you know we're dealing with in today's day and age you know should you file a petition well again depends on what you want to accomplish do you want to just bring attention to a particular issue then then sure do you want to petition Ben and Jerry's do you think the 8600 people are going to influence Ben and Jerry ice cream enough to make their flavor I I doubt it I mean I guess I could be wrong and, you know, talking about wasting your time. Now, I told you that I wouldn't sign a petition for an ice cream flavor. You can go on sites like change.org or ipetitions.com and you can search 
find and or start any petition that you could possibly conceive. Some of them are good and some of them are ridiculous. And and, and I'm not even referring to the ice cream one. Um, but, you know, again, I personally would not waste my time. I, I could write a, a post that, you know, or a petition that says, um, I don't know, limit the number of lawyers in, in, in this country. And I guarantee you that there'd be a ton of people that would sign my petition to reduce the amount of lawyers in this country. But it's not going to happen. So that's, that, that's you know, my, my overview here of petitions. I understand where they come from. I understand why people do it. I also understand the message behind the petition, and I think that's where a petition has strength. It's a showing that X amount of people are seeking to enact change. They want something different than what it is right now, and they're all coming together to to show you, hey, government official, hey, Netflix, hey, Amazon, hey, whoever you might be, this is what we think. We, the collective, we, the people as a whole, you know, are, are asking you to consider doing something. And it is valuable if you set the right goal. If your goal is to bring awareness to an issue and you're going to, you know, sign a petition and that petition becomes newsworthy, very similar to the Good Omens petition, Unfortunately, it became newsworthy because they sent it to the wrong place. You know, if they had sent it to Amazon, it would not have received the amount of press that it gets now. But again, who knows? Maybe they did it on purpose. Now, I know that the Christian organization has acknowledged that they sent it to the wrong place, but for all we know, they sent it to the wrong company on purpose because now it's generated a lot of interest. And so that petition, while I doubt it will remove the show, that petition certainly has made the issue more aware. And funny about funny thing about it, though, is I was talking to somebody the other day about this petition, and they hadn't heard of the book and they hadn't heard of the show. And after reading about the petition... They said, hey, I want to go check that show out and see what it's about. So, you know, a petition might actually have results that you didn't intend. For all you know, this petition to remove the show could increase the amount of people watching the show. So bottom line here is petitions have no legal impact. And basically, you are pleading with the person that you are petitioning to make a change. And it doesn't always happen. And it doesn't always give you the results that you're looking for. And it oftentimes, more often than not, does not bring about that change that you're seeking. Could be a waste of your time. But on the flip side, could bring awareness to your issue. So I think as long as you have identified what it is that your goal is, then you can make a decision and a determination as to whether or not it's worth taking the time to start a petition or sign a petition. And that's it. So it's up to you. No, uh, 
no petitions are going to be signed by me in the near future because I don't have the time to go sign a petition, despite the fact that, you know, I am very, very aware of the ice cream flavors in this world, and I'd love to, you know, get Ruth Bader Ginsburg in. I just don't have the time to focus on that. I think it's, it's some of it's silly. So there you have it. And that's going to do it for today's show. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Um, you know, I, I certainly appreciate all of you that have subscribed over the last or subscribed over the last couple of weeks. And I just ask you to um, continue to share the message of this podcast. Let people know about the show so that they can sign up too. And don't forget to check out our YouTube channel. You can find our YouTube channel either by going through one of the links on utlradio.com or by just typing my name, Peter J. Lamont, into YouTube and you'll find the channel. We have a lot of views on the videos, but I'd like to have more people subscribe to the channel itself because then you're aware of when I put up new content. It's great to find a video when you're searching for something, but um, you know we're, we're trying to build an even uh, more diverse and more... Um, I guess a larger audience so that we can actually make a difference and let people know about the law and how it works and what their rights are in a very, very straightforward and hopefully fun way. Uh, in addition to some of the other topics and content that we talk about, personal development and business success, that sort of thing. So make sure if you haven't, check out the YouTube channel and subscribe to the channel. All right, that's going to do it. I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Understanding the Law Radio. If you'd like more information about the show, or if you'd like to take advantage of our business and legal self-help resources, including our extensive video library, then visit us online at utlradio.com. You can also find us over on Facebook, Twitter, and on YouTube. Now, if you have any questions about any of the topics that you've heard discussed on today's show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic for future shows, please feel free to reach out to me directly at pl at pjlesq.com or you can call us at 201-904-2211. Please also make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Also, share the information that you receive through this podcast with your family, your friends, and colleagues and let them know about utlradio.com your business success and legal information station.